Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The federal government has directed billions of dollars to repair Puerto Rico's troubled energy grid, but not everyone's happy with how that money is being spent. See, back in 2017, after Hurricane Maria, Congress allocated about $14 billion to address the unprecedented destruction. And years later, the grid is still struggling after underinvestment and poor maintenance. Now, there are two main disagreements between solar advocates and Puerto Rico's governor, Pedro Pierluisi, about how to spend those funds. And without clear direction, Puerto Rico could face prolonged power disruptions and struggle to reach its goal of creating a 100% clean power grid by 2050. So today, Politico's Gloria Gonzalez on the fight over Puerto Rico's power grid funding. It's Thursday, May 18th. After Hurricane Maria in 2017 just completely decimated the energy grid in Puerto Rico, Congress allocated roughly $14 billion in total through multiple federal agencies to address the energy issues in Puerto Rico. The two key agencies are FEMA and HUD, with FEMA being in charge of distributing the vast majority of the funds. The funds basically were not spent for many years. There was really no movement to distribute the funds under the Trump administration. But once the Biden administration took over, there's been a more rapid movement to try to get the funds out the door and try to get them moving towards funding energy projects in Puerto Rico. Separately, last year, actually, Congress allocated another $1 billion in the omnibus bill for Puerto Rico. And that money is specifically set aside to pay for renewable energy projects, primarily for people who are low-income residents who may not be able to afford them otherwise, or for households that have people with uh, disabilities who could really use dependable, reliable solar systems. Got it. And so there are two sets of issues that you highlight in your reporting. The first is that Puerto Rico's governor, Pedro Perluisi, a Democrat, is facing criticism for his plan to allow middle-class residents to access solar incentives. So tell us the conflict there and who's hurt most by this plan. Indeed, the thinking is that you should be spending the money on low-income residents who cannot absolutely afford solar systems or other renewable storage systems without government assistance. The governor is proposing to spend $100 million in the federal funding to try to get systems for those who would be categorized as middle income in Puerto Rico. The challenge there, uh, solar advocates will say, is that you're diverting millions of dollars away from people who absolutely cannot afford the systems without the help to people who actually can afford the systems and might be inclined to install them even without government support just because of the fact that they would rather not rely on a grid that has been proven to be unreliable time and time again. So the idea is that you should wait until every low-income resident who wants a solar and storage system has one before you move on to try to give them to other residents who could more easily afford them. 
what solar players on the territory are telling me that is that they've actually seen a slowdown, that the governor's announcement has led to a slowdown in orders and cancellations because people are hearing that they might get an incentive. Middle class residents are hearing that they might be eligible for an incentive soon. And so because of that, they are deciding not to not to install the systems at this time and just to wait and see if they can get the incentive. Right. And then there's a separate battle brewing over federal emergency management agency funds heading for fossil fuel infrastructure projects. So that's provoking consternation since it contradicts the island's green goals and President Biden's environmental justice pledges. So why is that happening? Yeah, the argument goes along two fronts. Puerto Rico has a 100% renewable energy target by 2050. Now, the territory is nowhere near that goal, but the idea is that climate advocates will say all projects that are being implemented going forward should really be approved with that goal in mind. In other words, that they should be renewable energy projects over fossil fuel projects that will not contribute to reaching that 100% renewable goal. The other issue is that President Biden has made several environmental justice pledges. He's made his Justice 40 pledges. He's directed the federal government agencies to ensure that projects that they're doing reach many of the benefits, 40% of the benefits reach disadvantaged communities. Now, the idea is that if you're spending money on fossil fuel infrastructure, you're going against both the president's environmental justice goals and the territory's renewable energy goals, and that that should not be happening. So what's happened is that climate and community organizations have filed a lawsuit against FEMA to try to force the agency to include renewable energy as a viable alternative when it is considering fossil fuel infrastructure approvals under the NEPA statute. And what are the potential consequences of prolonged fights over spending this money? Yes. So Representative Jennifer Gonzalez-Colón, Puerto Rico's representative in Congress, put it this way. She is concerned about, you know, obviously the slow rollout of the money to Puerto Rico, but she also recognizes that the grid needs to be stabilized. And she is concerned that if there are legal fights over the way the money is spent, that that's going to slow the ability to fund projects in Puerto Rico. Now, the challenge is the grid repairs are pretty urgently needed. We're just a couple of weeks away from the start of another hurricane season. And we saw what happened last year with Fiona, where a hurricane that didn't make a direct hit on the territory actually led to a territory-wide blackout that lasted 12 days for some areas of Puerto Rico. So she is concerned that any type of fight a legal fight, prolonged legal fight over the money will delay the reach of these projects, the development of these projects to the extent that the grid will be, will not be repaired in time for the next hurricane season or the next uh, series of storms that Puerto Rico will inevitably face. Also, on Wednesday, EPA proposed ending an exemption to its coal ash disposal rules for inactive ponds and landfills at shuttered power plants. Closing that regulatory loophole could cost the utility sector potentially hundreds of millions of dollars annually to comply. Coal ash is a toxic byproduct of burning coal, and it could be stored in massive ponds or dry landfills located near coal-burning power plants. According to EPA, those ponds are frequently unlined, unmonitored, and could suffer leaks or other structural issues. For more news on energy and environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music at today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Before we go, I want to invite you to Politico's first ever energy summit. Hear from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and others to hear about the new energy transition. See you in person here today in D.C., or you can join us virtually. For more details and RSVP, visit www.politico.com slash energy summit. I hope to see you there later today. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.